<laughs> Can you hear that? We're gonna get. We're gonna get sued. I don't want to see. Uh, I don't want to see my mama cry. <laughs> it's John Denver. I, I had no idea that song existed. No, me either. This is a, that was a new one for me too. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. I'm not making fun of people that you know have alcohol problems, especially on holidays. It, it's tough, but. I just didn't know John Denver, you know, devoted that much time to a song about that. Right. Please, please, Thomas, don't get drunk this Christmas. I'll try. Save it for New Year's. Yeah. (sighs) Well, it's just us this week, huh? Just us this week. Yeah. You're kind of bringing it back down, you know, easing into the Christmas season, which we're not in yet in case our listeners don't know Christmas tide doesn't actually start until december 25th i thought it started at thanksgiving or halloween starts uh, that starts at the summer solstice (laughs) every every time ariana gets to church and uh, for some reason everyone's like hey sam here's the box with all the uh the the stuff for the for the nativity scene i'm like you don't don't want me to do this and and they're like no no yeah yeah just put up the nativity scene i'm like all right so I put up the nativity scene and I'm like, do you want Luke or Matthew? <laughs> and I'm like, right. wait, the, the, the wise people are not getting here until January. The, right. The until 6th. Epiphany. <laughs> it's epiphany. But just like we're, we're not, we're not, we're, we're going to do this correctly. If we're going to do this, we, we don't need like action figures. And if we do need action figures for Christmas, uh, they, they should arrive at the right time because I was that kid. Um, That's anyway. how we do ours. Do you, do you like, do you, you put a nativity up in your house? Oh yeah, and the wise people don't get there, yeah, and, and we go by. That's exactly yeah, we what. We do. Yeah, we go by Matthew. So the, the you know there's no shepherds; it's just all animals. Yeah. But Luke, there there are no animals. I mean, he gets put in the in the feed trough. Right. Right. Yeah, people don't get that. People don't get that. Like the you know the the whole idea of these wise people showing up, and, and they weren't wise men. They might have been females or whoever. Um, and, and then there weren't just three and they didn't have specific names. We don't know what country they came from. Two weren't white and one wasn't, or, you know, one was black, whatever. Like that whole idea is, is a very late concoction. And the wise, we, we've talked about this. We did a whole show on this yeah. once. Like the wise, the wise people weren't wise. Like it's, it's a, it's a kind of a three stooges joke. Yeah. I mean, like magicians, maybe, you know, something like that. Yeah. The magi, you know, from Magus. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, they're they're kind of like stumbling idiots, and uh, the the whole thing with Herod and them bumping into Herod and stopping on the way, and Herod's like, "Well, you you know, you come back and tell me where they are." Like that's supposed to be a tongue in cheek joke right. that the audience would have picked up on, not like, "Oh, well, clearly these three wise, you know, men from Saudi Arabia, uh, from these kingdoms, they they clearly understood that Jesus was a Messiah, just like you should." And it's like, no, that's that's not what the text is talking about. But people don't get that. But. But, I mean, we got a song about it, right? So, you know, we three kings. <sighs> so there obviously had to be three of them. They were obviously kings, duh. Because we got a oh, song yeah. about it. And they're from the Orient. And they're from the Orient, yeah. Well, let's look. <laughs> the we Orient. Three kings of Orient are, yeah, right. Um, man, this is such a, a 
terrible song. I know. Also known as We Three Kings of Orient Are or The Quest of the Magi is a Christmas carol that was written by John Henry Hopkins in 1857. Hopkins served as the rector of Christ Episcopal in West, uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And he wrote the, the uh, carol for a Christmas pageant in New York City. We three, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar, filled in fountain, moor, and mountain, following yonder star. O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal, royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, God is to thy perfect light. That's my text message. I'm sorry. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain. Bethlehem's, is it on a plain? Is it? No. No, it's, it's kind no. of mountainous. Yeah. It's it's kind of a plateau, actually. Gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising all men raising. Worship him, God most high. Ooh. Getting a little theological. Myrrh is mine. It's bitter perfume. Breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying. Sealed in stone, cold tomb. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Yeah, we don't usually sing those verses. Glorious now, behold him arise. That's, I was going to make a sexual joke. King and gods are uh, in sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia. Uh, earth to heaven replies. So can, can we maybe talk about... Um, I mean, there there are a lot of reasons why this isn't a great song, but the I think the the foremost reason is that it's a Christmas song, but it's already talking about Easter, right? I mean, and there are a number of Christmas songs that do that, where they're like, "Oh, nice little baby, too bad you gotta die." <laughs> like Mary, Mary, did you know? Yes, did she? I don't, I don't know. What did she know? I don't know. I mean, she she had you know freaking Gabriel come and tell her about stuff. So I, I assume she knew what she needed to know. Right. The answer is yes, yes, yes. She <laughs> yeah, like if, if an angel visits you, and according you know, of course, to Luke, if an angel comes and visits you and, and says like, "Hey, this is going to go down," like uh, I would say, "All right, I kind of know what I need to know. Let's let's do this." I mean, assuming the angel is you know from God, and which uh, evidently is a safe assumption in this case, but. Well, we yeah, know that we know that the angels were from the realms of glory. <sighs> and the, the the wise men thing really bugs. <laughs> we can go off on the angels. The wise men thing really bugs me. Um, you know, especially when when white people do biblical cosplay. You know, and we do the live nativity scenes, like my ex wife. Biblical and cosplay. We, <laughs> it's what it is. It's white people doing biblical. That's exactly cosplay. what it is. You're right. You know, and it's like, I'm going to put a, a, a you know, bed sheet over my body and a, I'm going to wrap my head in a towel and I'm going to stand in this, you know, freezing cold weather for four hours with a cowl and uh, be like, hey, I'm, I'm being biblical. Don't you like my witness? Give me some, give me some karma. Um, you know, and, and that white people biblical cosplay thing is, is, does such damage to the biblical narrative, I think. Because it, it, especially when you have something like the wise men show up. Or, I mean, I've seen Sunday, especially in Southern Baptist churches, I've seen, you know, Sunday mornings before or after Christmas where uh, someone dressed up like Santa Claus walks in. Have you yes. seen this? Someone yes. walks in like Santa Claus during the, the children's sermon and all the kids are up at the front and uh, Santa Claus has it like a, of course, like a treasure chest because that's what God demands. And uh, he walks up to this, you know, either the altar or I've seen like, 
in case in cases where there's like a big nativity scene and there's like a little baby Jesus that's a cabbage patch doll or something and he kneels in front of it and he opens the treasure chest box <laughs> and and he just kind of lays there or or you know kneels there and the the doll is laying there and it's it's embarrassing that's has has nothing to do with Christ, Christmas or Christianity well, I mean well like well, why do people why do people do that this is going to be a terrible well, show. We're going to we're going to dispel every. <laughs> I'm already feeling negative. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, the whole Santa thing is bad enough, right? Because on the one hand, you have you have some churches where it's like, oh, it's our Christmas thing, but we want to make kids happy because the Jesus stuff isn't doing it. So let's bring Santa in, and he's got gifts to give everybody, right? It's like you do kind of realize that's um little you know antithetical to the whole Jesus thing that you're telling your kids about. So there's that. And then there's what you're talking about, which is the, you know, the Santa kneeling before baby Jesus in a feeding trough um, at a nativity, or, you know, you see this But the ones I really love are the, the, um, the blow up things you can get to put in your yard. And have you seen those where they're like the blow up uh, things and it's a blown up nativity and a blown up Santa that's kneeling in front of the nativity. So they, no, I haven't seen that. I can be up for the whole, for the whole season. Um, yeah, the animal, the animals is, at the nativity is is funny. I was thinking about, did you, did you hear the story uh, about the cow in Philadelphia that was in a nativity and escaped twice? Yeah, I, I tweeted yeah. about that, yeah. and and a, a, a fellow minister was like, "Who put you know who pissed in your cornflakes?" Because I was like, even this cow knows that there were right. no cows <laughs> right. at the nativity. Like, stop doing this. But you know, stop it, it. It's interesting how attached and like you know, like you're saying even you know, uh, ministers, how attached they get to this kind of cultural creation of a story that doesn't match um, either of the stories, uh, either of the nativity stories that we have in the gospels in Matthew or in Luke. Right. But for so long, we've had this harmonized version that we see in our Christmas plays every year that that to us is what the Christmas story is. And so anything that diverts from this, you know, the public transcript of Christmas, so to speak, um, is apparently bad. And it's like, no, just read the text. Like, let's just like, let's just talk about the text. Like, let's, you know, maybe Jesus is like two when the, you know, the magicians get there with their gifts, according to the text. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're yeah. not wise by any means. But the, uh, you know, like like you said earlier, it's a conflation. Just like uh, it, for for many Christians, it's about Christmas and Easter, right? So right. CNA, yeah, and, and Christmas and Easter are the two times you go to church and you get dressed up and you, and the whole family has to go. And no one really wants to go, so it, they both have to be entertaining, uh, and they both have to have to have uh, you know the, the food and stuff there afterwards to get people to stick around and then the, the pastor makes his, his, uh, typically, uh, you know, pitch of, Hey, you know, you should come back here for more Sundays. We, we've got a whole year of stuff lined up for you. Uh, there, there's lots of fun holidays like Advent and, and, and there's all saints day and, and then there's, uh, there's assumption and it's great. Um, <laughs> works but, every time. <laughs> <laughs> have have I told you about about the real Saint Nicholas? Uh so when 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 most Christians think of Christmas or they think of Easter, they they conflate with Christmas it's Matthew and Luke and and with Easter it's Mark, Matthew, Luke and John. Um and you get this really kind of weird harmonization as you said, but but 
you get this weird like meshing of stories that don't make sense. Um, you know, and just like at Easter, when you have people doing the cosplay of, you know, someone carrying a cross during a 5k or some bullshit, uh, <laughs> you know, like every, every spring there's some, some random white dude like running a 5k with a, you know, damn cross on his back. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Yuppie. That's his witness. You know? You're witnessing with a, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, or, you know, you get them old Gibson movies, whatever, but, um, it's a conflation just like Christmas is, is a conflation for most Christians. And that's not fair to the text. And it really, really upsets me. And I hate that. I wish we took it seriously. Cause if you took it seriously, you'd read it, you know, like you wouldn't just, just show up. And it's the same thing with politics. Like, you know, really you, you take, you take tax cuts seriously. Like, Read the damn text. Oh, wait, we don't have a text yet. Oh, okay. Well, it'll come out eventually. It doesn't matter what's in the text. It's what I'm telling you is going to be in the text. It, you know, it's the same exact idea that that people fall for again and again across the millennia. And I mean, we're, we're a pretty naive and trusting species. Um, and God knows how we made it this far. Um, but thankfully, we have John Denver to tell us not to get drunk on Christmas when we get really depressed about these things. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's the that's the reminder that we need this year, I think, right after the year we've had after 2017. Um, I think that's the that's the reminder. That's going to be our theme song uh, for Christmas this year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At least mine and Sam's. Uh, Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's I don't know. There are a lot of bad Christmas songs. Right. And that's that's the problem is that a lot of this, a lot of the bad theology gets baked into Christmas songs and then gets repeated. And then people think, well, we sing this song every year at Christmas. So like, it must be right. Yeah. It must be true. Um, I don't know. All right. So when, one of the main, uh, let's talk about bad Christmas songs. Cause everybody knows what a bad Christmas song is, whether it's singing all the verses of Oh, o come, O come Emmanuel. You know, there, there's nothing worse than being in a church and, and, you know, it, it, you're, you're three songs in, so you can't really slip off the back. You can't leave. Maybe your your partner is preaching or a pastor at the church, so you have to <laughs> stick around. And and you flip you flip up in the bulletin to see what the next song is because you're like, all right, I'm 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 doodling, and uh, and it's so come come a manual, all six verses or whatever. Right. And and you you just like flop down. And you're like, oh god, you know, life is. Everything is is wet breath. Everything is. It doesn't matter. You're in Ecclesiastes all of a yeah, sudden. It's all vanity of vanities. All, all is vanity. I'm speaking in Hebrew. So, for me, that that really is kind of the O come O come Emmanuel uh, song when 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 you get really slow and it gets dirge like. So here's the thing. So I was talking with my wife um, about this recently, who's a pastor, and i I have this kind of love hate relationship with Advent songs. Because I actually like the like minor key dirges, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But I don't like the theology of them because they they have just the supersessionism baked into it, right? right. And so I'm still trying to, I'm still, and I haven't figured out how to reconcile that with with myself yet. But um, yeah, I don't, I really like that. And and I mean, you think about Advent is this kind of right? It, it's it's the um, kind of uh, winter equivalent of Lent. It's a, it's a dark time. It's a time of waiting. Um, it it is the winter equivalent. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right. Um, 
Right. I mean, I, I kind of I like the the kind of minor key feeling of Advent um, and, and the focus on darkness. You know, I, I think that's I think oftentimes in, in the church, it's always like, oh, well, like everything's good and you have hope and you have like Jesus and yay. And it's like you, you can't just be like, hey, no, everything actually kind of sucks. And it's well, okay. And, and, it sucks, right? And, and so I like that spirit of Advent. Um, the problem is that a lot of the songs that that really get that spirit across and that dirge-like manner, right? The kind of Jeremiads or whatever, um, are the, like it's just supersessionism, right? So, come, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Like captive to to who? Like you know, um, the mourns and lonely exile here. Like okay, yeah, they were they were exiled, but this is not about the exile, right? Because then you go in the second verse and it says, um, "O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell, thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave." Right? So it's obviously about Jesus. That's fine, but you know, it's just like can't we write a a song about Jesus that isn't like? super sessionist i don't know maybe we can yeah yeah it's it's hard and and that's a really good point because you know like you said christmas tide doesn't start until christmas day but also uh, especially in the protestant world like we don't put enough emphasis on what advent is and pastors do a terrible job of explaining that to their congregations and that leads to this kind of thinking like oh between thanksgiving and christmas everything's cheery yeah 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 right. you know and, and you get the um you get, the, you get the cultural kind of like, you know, it's Christmas, da, 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 you know, and you get all the, yeah. the Mariah Carey songs. Just like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we sing Christmas songs during Advent when we should wait until the 25th to start singing Christmas songs. Exactly. Those until Epiphany on January 6th. Exactly. Exactly. And that would be much more meaningful. That's the actual 12 days of Christmas. Do the, do the math. But the, <laughs> the idea that between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the Christmas season or, you know, Black Friday kicks off Christmas and everybody's happy and we're all shopping and it's all like, you know, in, in Home Alone before the kid gets left at home, you know, like like everyone's excited and we can't wait for Santa. Like that's such a cultural Christianity thing. It's, it's just really fascinating. But also it, it's it's like you said, you, you get the darkness of Advent if you take it seriously and, and you do the readings and you think about what Christianity is. Um and and you you don't want to make that supersessionist, but you also realize at the same time this is the season from about October mostly honestly mostly I'm sorry I keep hitting the mic mostly it's November until uh, December 25th this is the part of the year where churches make all of their money in in offerings um, Easter time doesn't get us as much it, it's definitely no, yeah, an end of the year push yeah. It, it, in a year, in a, yeah, right. Between taxes and also the Christmas time thing, um, churches make a boatload of money at this point if they're going to make money. So they're they're pushing their people. So there's no incentive to say like, wait until December 25th. Like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you, you're in darkness. Like we're it's it's a it's a pregnant expectation. You know, we're all right. waiting for the the the, the culmination. I see, you, I see what you did there. A pregnant expectation. <laughs> You like that? Right. Um, off We're the top of my head. Don't try this at home, folks. I preached last Sunday. So so the idea of, of you know, trying to put this off until the 25th, as, as we should, doesn't work in American modern Christianity led by Steve Bannon because we, we can't, you know, like churches have to make money. And this is when this is the season when churches make the most money. 
Yeah, well, you know, you think about like you think about on the one hand, this would seem to be an area where you and I would actually agree with a lot of um, our conservative, you know, more conservative listeners, uh, which we definitely have plenty of that. You know, maybe we can talk about a war on Christmas, right? Because it is just complete, you know, it's just capitalism. That's all it is between Thanksgiving and, and December 25th, right? We know that, or, or you know, through New Year's, because you got to spend your $2,500 to go to New York and stand there with a million people that you don't know and that smell like piss. Um, because, like, yay, something, I don't know, like America, I guess. <laughs> what? But, but, right. So, so this would seem like an area so, where so people people in New York smell like this. I got it. No, I'm saying on New Year's Eve. Oh, no, I see. I'm sorry. I'm saying on New Year's Eve, right? Where you're sitting there in Times Square and everybody's like throwing up because they've been drinking since 8 a.m. and whatever. Because um, they didn't get drunk on Christmas, so they had to get drunk on New Year's Eve. Um, and and so there is, and in, in a in you know in a very real sense, I don't know, not a real sense, but like it's not that I would say there's a war on Christmas, but there is this kind of this capitalist takeover right and that's something that i think you and i would agree with a lot of our conservative listeners on the problem with the way this gets talked about kind of in the media writ large is or you know in the conservative media at least is like okay we're going to fight this war on christmas by making sure that the stores that you're going to spend money at right uh play christmas music and say merry christmas to you after you swipe that you know charge card and put on you know put 150 dollars on there that you don't have Right. So it's like, nah, that that's not really it either, because, um, yeah, you're you're saying there's a war on Christmas, but yet you're advocating for a completely um, non-textual nativity scene. And then you're mad when somebody calls you out on that. And then you don't actually want to celebrate Advent because like you're like, what is Advent? Right. We're a free church tradition, so we don't do Advent. And we can't wait till the 25th to then do Christmas during Christmas tide. Right. So it's, I don't know, it's just all this that's like, no, let's actually talk about maybe this kind of, um, you know, the um, the way that capitalism has, you know, um, just kind of overrun uh, our society and our culture when it comes to Christmas. But I don't think a lot of people really want to have that conversation. I, I mean, people don't want to have that conversation, but I don't think pastors want to have that conversation because that means their job would be in, in risk. Do you think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would think there might be a way that pastors could have that conversation to where it is like, hey, you know, you don't have to go buy presents for people that, you know, they don't need. And I don't know, like you could use your time and help other people and you can advocate for uh, positive policy changes and things like that. And yeah, you can, you know, give to the church if you want us to help help us continue doing the work that we're doing. I don't know. There might be a way you could. Th- I think there's a way you can thread that needle. I mean, I, I think you would have to be a very good pastor, because I, I think most most pastors are not very good pastors in in that regard of being able to thread the needle. Um, at least in the Baptist world, and I think that uh, you know, when, when you're answering to the finance committee, you're answering to major donors, you're answering to you know whatever board of deacons, like. It's difficult to say, hey, don't go out and be consumers capitalist and spend money on your kids. And, you know, you know, like it, you should get the church money like that would really help that. That doesn't that's not going to fly very well. It's going to it's going to crash. And pastors are so afraid of their jobs because they're expendable at this point. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's definitely true. 
the, the last few churches where I've preached, none, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to get into this, but there, there have been situations where I've talked to other pastors where, um, you know, they, they talk about their pay and stuff and it's like, yeah, you know, that's dependent on the amount of money that we bring in from this and that. And it's like, wow, that's, that's, so you're like on a contingent <laughs> yeah. uh, salary now. That That's, that's kind of weird. They're, they're, on, they're, you're, on, they're you're, working on commission. You're making a, a commission. Um, or, you know, like I've got, I've got friends in seminary who, who preach around in some of the same churches where I used to preach and uh, they don't get paid to preach, which I, I get. Well, you know, they're getting exposure, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, you know, I showed up and I preached. I did, I did communion, and, and um, I got, I, you know, I, I kind of thought maybe they take me out to lunch at least. And nope, you know, this is Baptist, Methodist, you know, and it's yeah. Let's go ahead and say this it's now. Changing, it's changing uh, because maybe there, maybe there's people out there that just don't know. Um, if you invite somebody to come preach at your church, you pay them for that. That is work. They are they have put they are educated to do that. Hopefully, you're you know asking educated people to do that. Uh, they have spent time doing that. They are prepared to do that. That is their work. You should pay them for that. The same way you should pay writers. The same way you should pay people if you have if you ask them specifically to come in and teach a class for your church, you should pay them for that. The church is, I mean, absolutely the worst place, and just expecting that people should just basically do this for free because, you know, like you love Jesus, don't you? So you should basically just give it away. Well, no, screw that. Like you need to pay people for their work. So just so there is, there is, um, there's no question about at least where I stand. I know that Sam would agree with this since we're both married to pastors. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm a, you, and I'm a conservative, you know, whatever. But yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, you, you gotta pay your people. Right. Don't forget. Don't say, oh, yeah, we got our, you know, don't wait six weeks. Don't wait a month and a half. Don't wait, you know, six months to send them a check. Have the check ready when they show up. Yep. Give it to them so first. So that time. there's no question. So that there's no, there, there's no awkwardness. They don't have to feel awkward about it. Like, this is not that hard to be decent and professional. You get your check cut beforehand, you know, the week before. You give it to them when they show up on Sunday morning. It's not that complicated. Pay your people. Yep. And, and these are churches, you know, like, Rough before, like I said, and and these are uh, anyway. It was like really, like they they didn't give you anything. I think that's really alarming, but I think that's the way we're going. We're, we're that skill, you know, whether it's preaching or or leading communion, whatever, is kind of viewed as a uh, you know, it's like oh, they're they're going to write a blog post for us, or or they're going to tweet for us. Oh, and, and yeah. let's make sure whoever visited, like, you know, make, make sure you, you tag yourself on Facebook when you when you come preach for us. Right, exactly. Make sure that you give us the exposure that we're not going to pay you for. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. How, you know, that how's that that um you're welcome that we let you come preach in our church. Um, and that's definitely going to help you feed your family this month. Yeah. Nice little pat on the back here. Really, really enjoyed the sermon, Pastor. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. You, yeah, do you want to take around? I mean, we're, we're just going to have some punch after church. I mean, do you want to have some punch? That'll do it, right? That'll that'll fill your kids' bellies for you know a couple <laughs> days at least. Some punch and crackers. I mean, you're, you're a pastor, so clearly you're rolling in the day. <sighs> okay. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing because. Yeah. 
touchy subject for us. We've uh, we've been there in, in in a number of different ways. Um, yeah. So when I was in seminary, a lot of people. Yeah. When I was in seminary, I, I I did lots of preaching, and there's not one church in rural North Carolina where I ever preached where they didn't either pay me or take up a love offering. And often, right. often the love offering was like the way to go because I got a lot more money from that. You get more money than if the church is right to your check. <laughs> Don't exactly. write a check. Like, I want the love offering. That's awesome. And they would pass the hat and, and you would, you'd roll out of there with like three, four or 500 bucks. And it was like, wow, wow. Like, okay, I can, I can buy my books this semester. That's fantastic. Um, you know. Yeah. And, there, yeah. There, I mean, there are definitely, you know, a lot of churches are good about it, but there are a lot of churches that aren't. Yeah. And um, it's always the, and the other thing is bigger sized churches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, even if you, and that's why I made the point about timing too. Like if you have people, you know, I know people that on a regular basis, they preach at a, at a number of different churches, do a lot of supply work. And that is maybe not their main source of income, but it is a source of income. You know, if you're planting, you okay, no, I have three, you know, lined up this month and I'm going to preach. Um, then you're planning for that and how you're going to pay your bills. A lot of these people are So don't wait you know, six weeks to pay them. I don't know. It's just, it's not that complicated. I mean, this is the thing I come back to all the time, right? In this situation and a bunch of other situations, to me, it just doesn't seem that hard to be a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah. And this to me falls under that category. Right. I agree. And, and like, so, you know, if, if, if your church has any sort of leadership, like you, you would, you would put that together early and say, okay, well, we've got this person coming in. Like, let's have someone meet them at the door and, you know, here's coffee, you know, here, here's your, here's your check. Um, you know, do you need to use the facilities? Here's, yeah. here's, here's where you can go and, you know, quiet room. Here's a quiet room for five minutes. We're not going to make you stand out awkwardly in the lobby with your bag and your robe and your stole and just kind of stand there before anybody talks to you. Um, and, you know, do, do you want to walk through the church? Do you, do you know how we, how we do uh, service? Yeah, it takes five minutes. Yeah, those things go a long way. But but so I'd say half. I'd say half the churches where I preach kind of get that. Yeah, and and the other half are kind of like, yeah, you know, Reverend Harrison's going to show up and preach for us. And I'm like, well, how how does that work? Like, what do you where do you want me to stand? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to do communion? How do you want me to help? Do you want me to officiate? Do you want me to? <sighs> and and I get you know we're Baptists, so we're we're kind of weird anyway. But like. God knows every Baptist church celebrates, you know, things like communion or, or everything differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, all right, well, uh, how, how do you do announcements? Do you want me to get up and do this? Do you want, you know, but so I, I don't know. It's funny. People want to be told what to do. And, and I get that. I mean, uh, hence we have president Trump, but you know, people want a, a strong person, strong man, maybe some people uh, in charge and it's like, and please don't, don't at me. I, I know what I just said, but I, I mean that in the pejorative larger sense of our country, not, not you and your special woke sense. But in terms of, you know, just operating on a, on a, on a thing, like everyone's so afraid to, to upset uh, you know, the, the, that person in, in the back row who's going to complain later that no one's willing to step up and just say like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to step in and, and make sure that this goes well. You know, cause, cause you might get your, your hand slapped and, and whether I'm, you know, 
with the consulting stuff I do with businesses or, or when I've been in the corporate world and worn a, a suit and tie and the big building downtown, it's the story still is the same, you know, it's that same kind of reluctance to uh, stand out because then you might get called out. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You gotta know your, know your role and shut your mouth. So what do you think about Mary? Did you know? I think Mary knew. So here's the, here's the other thing. Um, a lot of Christmas songs that I don't like the lyrics for, right. This comes back to the Advent songs and Mary, did you know, is not an Advent song really, but, um, a lot of them like musically, they're not bad songs. Right. There's kind of a lot going on in Mary. Did you know? You know, it's kind of interesting musically, I think. Um, but then, yeah, there's there's the whole premise of it of like, uh, yeah, I, I think she knew. Especially, especially the Kenny Rogers version. Oh, man. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny Rogers. And um, who was that? Uh, I was going to say Ashley. Winona yeah. Judd. Yeah. Oh, man, that's. um. We'll drop that in the in the um, show notes for you because that one is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Well, what else we got? So, okay, let me ask you this. All right, so there's a lot of bad Christmas songs. Um, one of the worst might be um, Christmas Shoes, which Sam had never heard before <laughs> today. Um yeah, I, I'm gonna know a lot of people. A lot of I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know it. I think it was um who who did it uh, like new song was it new song or somebody like that. But um basically it's this kid that is trying to go buy shoes for his mom but doesn't have enough money. But he's trying to buy shoes for his mom and he's like, hurry up! I don't have a lot of time because she's been sick for a long time and mom needs new shoes, pretty shoes, in case she meets Jesus tonight which is a horribly depressing song. And there's like a kid singing it. So that's a horrible song. Okay. There's a lot of horrible songs, I think, ar- around Christmas time. And this doesn't even count all of the kind of pop songs that people are writing now because we need, you know, like 36 hours of Christmas music every day after, you know, once you pass July 21st or something. Yeah, here, here's looking at um, you, Mariana. That was the worst thing I ever did was put a freaking echo in the den. So every, every morning I go downstairs, I hear uh, Wake Word, you know, a hoi dingus, play Christmas songs. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I can't can't go against her. So all day it's like, Christmas. Da, 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 da. You know. <laughs> I will say, um, and um friend of the show, uh, David or Allen Jr. will appreciate this. The Oh Hellos, uh, which is it's a good, good group, um, musical group. They've got a good Christmas album and the Oh Hellos, um, station on Pandora yeah, is there's no such thing. As, no, um, there's no such thing as right, a good Christmas song. No, that's my question. Yeah. Is what is your favorite? I don't have one. I, I hate. Song. I hate every Christmas song. Yeah, you gotta pick. You gotta pick one. I really hate every Christmas song. <laughs> so what is the one you hate the least? Then, oh, it's got to be like an Advent dirge. I mean, like honestly, I I hate Christmas music. I really do. I I, I there's not. I would rather rather listen to DC Talk. Is that the Christian band? Yes. I'd rather listen to DC Talk with Marianna explaining the lyrics to me 
from her childhood and how yeah i could i could help her with that yeah <laughs> definitely grew up on some dc talk i'd rather listen to christian rap than <laughs> i'd rather listen to white boy christian rap than listen to any christmas yep. song and i know that's weird there's a u2 song where they, they do the christmas baby please come home thing that's not bad um the mariah carey song is catchy i don't like mariah carey even though i had a tape back in the 90s um what, what's her, her? It's the same song, right? Like Christmas. Da, 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 yeah, it's da. just like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I don't. Oh, okay. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Uh, uh. So this is Christmas by John Lennon. F you. That's what F-U. I was waiting F-U. for. That. Boom. Boom. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> I, I thought I threw softball up for you. All right, you, you did well. Thank, thanks for the softball. Almost, it was almost a swing and a miss there. Yeah, uh, well, okay. That, that's that's a, it. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, war's over. Christmas. So this is Christmas. Um, what have you done? Happy Xmas. War's over. There we go. I'll put it in the show notes so all you uh, pagans can listen to it and learn something about real Christmas from a pagan. He would, he would call so, himself that. I'm not being pejorative. Yeah. Um, so I think my my favorite um, Christmas song is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Um, I don't know them. Which was uh, written by um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow oh. in 1863. Um, and it's good. Um, and it's not one that I feel like a lot of people know. Like most modern hymns don't have oh, it. Oh, dude. That's like Casting um, Crowns? No, it's oh. no Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote it in 1863. I, now I'm sure uh, Casting Crowns did a version of it. Now I'll tell you who did a version that's actually really good: The Civil Wars. Oh, they sing like Barton Hollow and yeah, stuff like that. They did Johnny Cash did a version too, huh? So, um, so anyway, so it's really good. I like. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Um, it's not supersessionist, at least not that I can see. Um, and you know, kind of the the crux of it is peace on earth, goodwill to men. And of course it's written in 1863. So goodwill to human beings, but um, you know, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men is, is how it ends, which is, I mean, that's like Magnificat, right? That's um, so, so I like that, right. You know, the Magnificat is Mary's song and in, in Luke um, where that's, you know, where that's uh, idea comes from. So that's my favorite um, Christmas hymn. Oh, that's that. You know, I've honestly never heard that, and I didn't realize Johnny Cash did it. So, yeah, it's not a it's not a popular one, um, but so so that's one um, that I like. We with Trinity's family, uh, one of the traditions that that her family has is on Christmas morning, read the Christmas story, and then go around and sing hymns. And it's just always like everybody knows now because we've been married for 10 years that the first one I'm going to pick is I heard the bells on Christmas day. And for most of the songs that, that we pick, you sing a verse with, I heard the bells on Christmas day. We sing the whole thing. Okay. So, so you guys sing like, at, you know, like in the round or you, you just kind of sing all together. Sing all together typically. Yeah. But I mean, her family's super musical, so they're all so really she, good. She's like Devon um, traps or. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they they can all sing really well, so it's not a it's not a problem for them. They just everybody they know all the songs and and some songs they do sing like parts and um, especially like how great our joy and stuff like that. 
Oh, great. I don't know if I know that one. This one's like softer and then louder and softer. Yeah, and louder. That. <laughs> that's what she said. You would know it. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, again, I didn't go to church as a kid, so I, I don't know like a lot of Christmas songs either. <laughs> it's softer than louder. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like when I go to Mariana's family's Christmas or any type of holiday and we recite like long passages of Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not talking about like three or four verses, like they're, they're extended passages. And yeah, me, me and a couple of the other siblings, or me and a couple of the other uh, spouses are like, yeah, so we're just going to look around, smile. <laughs> this is kind of weird. Um, anyway, feels like that. Not, not that not that that's bad. I just need to learn those, you know, 28 verses of Luke. Well, <laughs> right, exactly. But but you know what they're doing, Sam, is they're appreciating the story and actually reading the story. Which is great. Which I love. <laughs> I love that they are uh, they're reading the story out loud. Because it, it's meant to be performed. They, these are right. performance pieces. And, and we lose sight of that because we, we stop reading the Bible. And hence, we have President Trump. Yeah, I, there's, there's definitely a causality there. I mean, you know, Western tradition, liberal arts, not to be normative. <sighs> How's your phone? It's going to die. I don't think my phone's going to die. My wife's phone might die since I gave her my old I don't phone. Know, you, you might have a year at most before they start throttling the CPU on it. They start throttling the battery. I know. So... I mean, this is bad for Apple, right? I think so. I, I think this but, is detrimental, but every podcast I because to, it, people are like, no, nah, I mean, it's a feature because they're helping you out because their battery is not that bad. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. Like, even if technically you look at it that way, like, it's, it's probably how I would look at it, too. My husband really it doesn't loves matter. me. I mean, he's only he's only trying to hit me to make me realize how much he loves me. And, and I'm, I'm not making a joke about that. I'm just saying, like, it's that same mentality right. of trying to make an excuse of, of something that's bad. When I think it's, I think this is even worse because, of course, it's worse. For yeah. years, people have said, um, yeah, like, you know, the two year mark, you know, Apple is like a conspiracy and Apple's making your phone slow down so you'll buy a new one. And everybody's like, no, trust me, that's not happening. Apple's not doing that. And it's like, oh, yeah, the th- you know, the thing that everybody thought was happening, Apple's like, oh, yeah, we're doing that. But it's a feature. It's like, oh, no, they're actually doing that, right? And so everyone's, like, worst fears are confirmed about this, you know, multi-billion dollar company um, that does not have – it doesn't seem the user's interest at the top of the list. Um the reality is it's probably the right thing for usability on older phones, but there, this is bad. This is from a PR perspective. This is really bad for, yeah. Well, I mean, they should just been up front and say, Hey, uh, you know, as your battery degrades, we're going to make certain optimizations to the processing power of your phone. Right. Put it in, put it, you know, bury it in the fine print and nobody, and you can say, Oh, well, what's been in there the whole time. Because I mean, the the headline now is, Oh, my iPhone seven has the same, CPU processing power as my Commodore 64 did in 1986 at 500 megahertz, which is true. And that's terrible. <laughs> you know, and then that, that's from the the guy who invented Geekbench, which is, uh, which is a major, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a 
diagnostic tool that every nerd uses to to determine you know how you know fast and how effective and efficient their their uh, computer or mobile device is. And the and the fact that Apple is doing this is not duplicitous. I don't I don't think they're they're well. I I, I want to think that they're not trying to necessarily you know do anything illegal, but I I do think that they have gained a great benefit from not having to deal with battery service, you know, repairs and, and warranty repairs in that two year span, you know, that, that a normal phone goes through. So they, they did the math and figured out like, well, you know, this battery's going to last for this much time. And after two years, then go ahead and throttle the hell out of it and knock it down to a 1980s computer. Um, oh, I just set off my device. I'm sorry. Play John Lennon. Oh, you don't know that one. Play Mariah Carey <laughs> Christmas music. Nope. Um, he went away. It, we need to talk about the good life, by the way. You need to watch that with Janet. Um, so I, I think that that the, I think the real danger here is that it's it's very anti-consumer because obviously they did this in the shadows, and you don't do things in the shadows as a business if you don't think that they're wrong. And right. If you're confident about it. Put it out it, there. Then you're yeah. Okay. And then say, hey, here's the feature. You get retina screen. And as your as your device gets older, we're going to make sure your, ba- your battery and your CPU are optimized together so that um, your performance doesn't go way down as your battery degrades. Because we all know this lithium stuff is, is temporary. And, you know, we're, we're all trying to figure out better battery programs and protocols. But until then, we're, we're going to make sure that we're doing the best for you. Not like... No, we would we would never. Oh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're doing that, but that that that's a feature. I, I just think it's I think it's disingenuous, and I, I think it shows a, a lot about how Apple operates post Steve Jobs. I hate to say that, but it feels that way, right? I, I don't I mean, think. I, I mean, I don't yeah. want to be that guy, but I don't think Steve would have let this happen. I right, don't I know, think Steve would let this happen. That's my question. Yeah, it's like you know, have we you know kind of done the Jesus thing and like after he dies, we kind of put him up on this pedestal and be like, oh well, remember when he said this? And maybe he didn't say that. And remember when he did that? And you know, everything was better. You know, um, in the uh, SJ era as opposed to the. Um, ASJ or, or however you want to do that, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, but but I do it. It it certainly gives credence to thoughts like that that people have. Like I never had this problem when Steve Jobs is alive, right? That's what I see a lot of people saying, but a lot of different things. And you could just add this to the list. Yeah, and and we we don't see this on most Android phones. I'm I'm sure some manufacturers do this. I'm, I'm positive some do it, especially Samsung, probably, because because they are Samsung. Um, I'm an Android fan. I'm just going to put that out there. I, I, I have always used the Google Nexus, now Pixel products. Um, I've had uh, Samsung phones. I've had uh, Motorola phones. I've had um, HTC phones. And for me, like that real sweet spot is what Google's doing. And maybe Google does this too, but I just feel that there would be much more upfrontness because of the way Android works. It, it would be much harder to kind of hide this sort of manipulation of, uh, of the code. But I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think it's terrible. Um, I, from, from a tech perspective, I think it's really terrible. From a consumer protection perspective, I think it's, 
it's abusive. And I think it's any other company would, would be just called to the mat. So do you think there, you think there is, um, you think they're potentially oh, yeah, illegal, I, I totally, um, totally jeopardy totally. with this? I mean, like this is easily, it, to me, seems like easily is going to turn into a class action. Um, and I mean, like who hasn't had an iPhone yeah, in the past well, I think years? The that- and who hasn't had multiple iPhones in the past 10 years and upgraded maybe more earlier than they wanted to because of you know the performance I, of the I mean, I've done it. I, I had an, every iPhone up and I just had a 7 Plus. <laughs> I've had, and then I passed it to yeah. my wife. I've had every phone uh, except for the... Nope, I've had every one. 7, 7 Plus, 6, S, Plus, 6, S, 6. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have an 8 and I don't have a 10 and I'm, I'm not planning on buying, buying them. Um, and and, and I, I keep one of these typically just for development as because it's what we do as a company. Um, but yeah, going back to the iPhone 3G was my first real kind of daily carry. I, I bought the first iPhone itself just to play around with, but I still use my BlackBerry instead because I loved it. Um, BlackBerry 8810 for life. <laughs> but that was a great that was a great fan. The, the curve, do you remember that? No, eighty eight thirty, eighty eight thirty. Oh curve. Yeah. god! Yeah, I had the um. What did I have? The Moto Z. I had that for a while. You had an Android phone. Um, way back in the day, yeah. The first iPhone I got was um, the was it the four or the four S? You had the four. You had the four. I waited a while to get. I think I had the four. I waited a while to get my first, get the first. Did the I first know you had, I had an Android phone? No, I don't know. When did the four come out? The four came out in two thousand and twelve. iPhone four. iPhone four was two thousand. Oh God, I'm so old. Two thousand ten. Jeez. Yeah, twenty ten. So I would have got it then. Um, <laughs> Was it the Moto Z? Was that the one I had? No. I'm looking at the pictures. That doesn't look right. It wasn't the Moto Z. What was it? Um, I was going to say, that's actually a nice device. Um, Blackberry. It wasn't a Blackberry. Was it the Z10 Um, or anything? No. I remember I really wanted the StarTac. Oh, wow. You're you're going way back. The Motorola StarTac. Yeah. You had the Razer. The mineral. I had the razor at one point, but before that, I had something that was more. Um, so I had a I had a Palm Pilot, right? That was my PDA. But then I had one that was like a you know kind of a PDA phone combined. It was a Motorola of some sort. God, the razor came out in two thousand and five. That's only been twelve years ago. Oh god, man, I love that phone. Wow. Remember texting on those things? Oh man. What child was that? I mean, that that was a great, <laughs> that was a great device. I hopped, I hopped into uh, like like Murray here in Columbia with my Motorola Razor. It was a very sad day. I still have some pictures from that that used to be on Flickr that I've, I've downloaded. I know what I know when I got the four S. You know when I got I, is this when I got the four S? I had the four. And it was right when the five was about to come out, but I washed it 
And so I had to get a new one and I got the, I made the mistake of like, yeah, I'll just go ahead and get like, get my upgrade and get the 4S. And then the five came out and I was like, oh shit. Now I got to wait because I just got a phone. So then I waited until the six. Cause I think I had the 4S for two years. Yeah, you did. And then I had the six for three. I had the six for at least three, right? When did the six come out? I got the six on the day that it came out. So I had the six for at least three years. So it would have been 2014. Yeah, the six came out in 2014. Um, the 4S yeah. was 2011? So, yeah, 2011. Yeah, that sounds about right because it was shortly after I moved to So you Florida. never had the iPhone 5? With, no, with I the, never had with the With the uh, 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 touch. touch ID. No. No, so I didn't get Touch ID until I got the six. That's what the yeah, six plus. I had the Verizon white, like the first. So Verizon didn't, you know, have the iPhone until the five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the Touch ID, the white one. Right, I think that's right, and that's an issue. So we were on Verizon, and we switched. We were in Columbia when we did this. We switched to AT and T, so we could get iPhone four. <laughs> Oops. Because iPhone was still yeah. on AT and T at the and now we're, and we're still on AT and T and we're really happy with it now. It's it's great. I mean, we've been the service has been just fine for us. It's like my, um, Mike's wife did the same big, thing. And she's that was a big yeah, deal. She's still on AT and T because uh, with the original iPhones, like we had to be on on uh, on AT and T. That's funny. I mean, but you think about that. Like I like my family was a Verizon family, and so it's kind of annoying when you, when you think about oh now it seems crazy that. You know, a, a certain phone would only come out on a particular carrier. But think about it, we switched in what 2010 from Verizon. My family had been on Verizon for a long time to AT and T, and we've been on AT and T for seven years now. And so, as you know, from, a, from a business standpoint, they brought people in and kept people. Oh yeah, a lot of people. Well, I mean, there's it's such an if you ever get the time, go read the Walter Isaacson biography of Steve Jobs, where he talks about how Steve was. Um, not happy with any of the car- uh, carriers and and they went with singular to begin with which was uh, acquired by AT&T and he was Steve was pissed about that but then Steve um you know originally wanted to create kind of a Wi-Fi mesh network which is basically what Google has done with with Project Fi yeah which is my business line and I love um but he <laughs> And, and actually, this Pixel that I use now, this Pixel 2, is, is the first American phone that has a dual SIM. So it's Verizon, but also Project Fi. So I can switch back and forth. So if I, if I want to make a business call, all, all I do is switch the uh, the SIM card. It's got an internal Fi SIM card, or I've got my Verizon card like popped in, which is really cool if you think about it. And and that's kind of the way that yeah. you know, most Asian uh, phones work now. But and and we'll be there in five years here in here in the U.S. So you'll you'll switch between AT and T and Verizon or whatever. But uh, Steve was not very happy with AT and T, and he kept you know trying to lowball them and stuff. And and finally they they went with uh, with the Verizon stuff as as he was uh, passing on. But anyway, it's it's a, it's a heck of a story what what he's going through and he was like no we're, we're going to buy all the spectrum and we're going to create our own network and <laughs> kind of neat yeah so um so a nice merry christmas from apple to all the yeah. iphone owners what, out what there you? uh yeah oh, by the terrible. way we have been throttling your batteries and i, I just so. don't know how people um, 
Uh, you imagine like your laptop doing that? Oh God, yeah. And the, and that that's I think that's that's a that's a good um, analogy because that's what it is becoming for a lot of people, right? I mean, it is their every client device. I have seventy five percent of the traffic going to their website is from a mobile device. You know, like oh, yeah. like this yeah. idea of us using laptops is getting antiquated very very quickly, especially fifteen and above inches. So I've got a Pixel Book that I love, and I've been able to use it as my main device here. But it runs Android apps, and I basically use it like my phone. Um, but I'm I'm running my company off my phone pretty much easily. You know, it, it's it's not a hard jump. Um, you know, I've got my big truck of a computer here, and I've got a big truck computer laptop here that I like a Linux laptop that I built that I use for stuff, and then I got my desktop here. But like. I don't need those all the time unless I'm running like an Adobe app or on the Linux thing, like I'm running some complicated developer, you know, server side SSH stuff that, that no one else needs to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- within two, three, four years, your main computer is your phone or your mobile device. It's not your phone. It's a mobile device. Um, what, what did Steve Jobs say when he introduced the iPhone? It's it's a it's an internet communicator. It's a browser. It's a phone. It's an internet communicator's browser. You know, do you get it now? Um, and, and that's it. You know, we're we're moving to that. If you've ever seen Westworld, you know they have these trifold computer things that are their main computing devices. I keep setting off my Alexa device there. <laughs> Sorry for anyone who my uh, Amazon Echo, I should say. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I, I think that uh, I think that that's a really crappy thing to do to 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 consumers, and that that makes me really upset. And I have more thoughts as I process this over Christmas holidays, as I don't get drunk on Christmas Day. Exactly, exactly. You'll get to think about this. The good news is we're still in the Advent season, so it's it's appropriate for you to um, for you to sing a dirge about Apple. Sing a dirge. So this is Christmas. What have you done? So what I, so this is Christmas. Um, so what I want to hear from our listeners is what your. I want to hear what people's favorite uh, Christmas songs are and their least favorite songs and why. That's what I want. Yeah, to yeah. Message us. Let us know. Find us on in the, uh, on, the on, on the Twitters. Thomas so, will tell you where we are. Find us on the Twitters. Um, and, and we do um, seriously from. From uh, everybody here at Thinking Religion, we do want to wish all of our listeners a happy holiday. For those of you that, mer- that celebrate Christmas, we'll say Merry Christmas. For those of you that celebrate Hanukkah, I know we're past that, but uh, happy Hanukkah, Hach Um And um, for those of you that celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa. Um, we do appreciate uh, you listening and engaging. We don't take that for granted. And we're not going to do like a long sappy bit here, but we do appreciate you. Hope you have a good holidays. Um, recognize that for some of you, um, and for, for us and in, in some ways, uh, and in a lot of ways, actually, uh, the holidays are difficult. And so, um, hope that you've got uh, some friends and or family that you can spend it with, um, and that you can have a meaningful holiday this year. Uh, do find us on the internet. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. I'm at Thomas Whitley. You can always find this great podcast at thinking.fm.